Good morning, afternoon, evening, and night. Whatever time you're listening to this from Showtime College Football, I'm your host, Chase Davidson. Got a good episode today. Week six in the books, almost halfway through the college football season. And yeah, before I start, make sure that you're following me on all the socials. Um, we're going to be having a giveaway soon. You know, there's going to be some Showtime CFB apparel coming out pretty soon here. And that's not just like, oh, like he's getting some shirts that has his podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to buy that because like, why would I just like buy that? Well, these are going to be for teams. This is going to be for your team. Let me know if you want a shirt for your team. Now, I'm not licensed for I have not gotten any licenses yet for the NCAA. However, there's some pretty cool, cool shirts that I'm coming up with right now. Um, but yeah, going to be doing some giveaways soon. So make sure you follow me on the socials um, so you can get access to that on X, Showtime CFB Pod, Instagram, of course, Showtime CFB, and YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Um, yes, today, special guest, I have Nick During the Day. If you follow him on Instagram, at Nick During the Day. Um, he's a good friend of mine now, and I am so excited. To have a good, solid conversation with him discussing week six. Kind of a wild week. Like, kind of gave me week three vibes a little bit. We had some more ranked games than week three, but like, it was still. I mean, look at the stats. I mean, what was it? Six, six ranked teams lost this week. I kind of didn't expect that to happen. So let's get into it. So I'm going to have Nick on in a few minutes here, but I first wanted to do some follower takes. Right. Well, I. I feel like it's an important. I really like doing this, and I think you guys really like it too. And it makes it a little spicy sometimes. And one thing I want to mention before I start. As a podcaster, as I am slowly producing my opinions, posting them on Instagram, posting them on Twitter, it's I've kind of learned a lot so far. It's been, let's say, three months, and I post a lot of my opinion on my page. Some people don't post as much. I like posting my opinion, which um, obviously gets a lot of scrutiny, which is fine. Um, everyone wants to have their voice heard. It's sports. It's college football. It's the most like relative debated sport there is. I feel like where there's so much like criticism on however this team did on like literally every play, which is why college football is so great. But I've learned a little bit something about bias. Now, when I first started doing this podcast, I was like, dude, this is unbiased. I'm making an unbiased podcast. And then I started realizing, well, what actually is bias? When you bring it into sports, if I was an unbiased podcast truly, I would read stats to you, and then I'd be done. That would be the podcast. So I can't truly say this is an unbiased podcast, and I'm an unbiased account. Now, I can try and be reasonable and have reasonable bias, but... That's the whole point that I make my own ranking. I have my own podcast because I want to share my opinions and I like talking about them. That's what makes my podcast my podcast. That's the whole point. If you don't like my opinions, you probably don't listen to this podcast. If you like my opinions and like my different takes that I have, then you probably appreciate my opinions. You know, that's how bias works. So, it's pretty annoying when some people like will comment and be like, bro, this is obviously biased. And I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> if you don't want bias, go to the ESPN FBI or 
FPI or like, let's just go straight to just a standings model for 130 teams. And the top teams who were 5-0, and so you got Air Force, Georgia, James Madison, Liberty, Michigan. I mean, they're all going to be the same level if you don't want any bias. It all comes down to bias. So, obviously, there's levels of that. Um, you know what I mean, though. I, okay, but yeah. One thing I wanted to address, you know, I you know I love your guys' criticism, and I love, like, debating and, like, having fun. That's why I like sports. That's why I'm not into politics. That's why I'm not into a lot of other things, because, like, as a sports podcaster, as a sports account, I mean, when people disagree with me, you're not, like, taking shots at my family or, like, my manlyhood or something. You're just like, dude, this is a stupid list. And I'm like, facts. That's just how it is. Like, it's not personal. It's just sports. It's not personal. Um, yes. But there's one thing I wanted to state going in to week seven. A lot of people have been calling me a UGA hater. And to be fair... Out of all the people in college football, I've probably been some of the lowest on UGA. I mean, I had y'all at eight this week, which was pretty dang low. Even I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty low, man. Like that's, Yeah. Anyways, um, so this week, we, we watched Georgia absolutely obliterate Kentucky in a very, very solid performance. Like, no flaws. Looked really good all around. Immediately, right out of the gate straight out there scoring on the first three drives. I mean, it was outstanding what Georgia did. And I was like, whoa, okay, all right. Georgia sat up in their seat and was like, yeah, listen, like, Showtime CFE's been doubting us. We need to, like, show them that we're better. And they did. They showed me up. Um, I do not have them at number one quite yet. Here's my reasoning going into going into week seven. That's my point is that it's week seven. Um, a lot of people, and I don't, I, I, this is just opinion. This is just how it works. A lot of people have the opinion that Georgia is number one until proven otherwise, or that they're the national champs. They should be number one until they lose, which is fine. That's a total credible line of thinking. Um, but for me, in my opinion, as the weeks go on, last year's results matter less and less to me. If it's week two, the back-to-back national champs thing has more leverage. It's week seven. It's the week seven is this week. We've seen six weeks of football, and to me, you're this far in the season. Last season has very little. I would say five to ten percent of a, you know, of a change to what I think. There's a reason that really the only reason that I have I had Georgia even in the top ten as of last week. Is mainly just because, okay, they're five and zero, and like, yeah, they were the back-to-back national champs, but that was kind of like barely keeping them in. And then now I'm like, okay, I saw a good performance on the field, all around from Georgia. Now it's a whole different story because my rankings, they come from the eye test, you know, turnovers, penalties, what like just how they look as a team, you know my personal opinion. And when I watch them, do they look dominant or do they look sheepish or do they look good, but maybe not great. So when Georgia played this week, I was like, wow, you know, is that team a scary team? Does this, is this a top five team that I'm watching? I know whatever you think of Kentucky, I'm just saying there's a, I don't care if it's UAB or ball state, you can play like a top five team against those and still see that. 
there's there's a lot of things to notice, especially when it comes down to the game of football. So, I mean, a lot of that comes down to the eye test, turnovers, penalties, mistakes. Um, you'll still make those against bad teams if you're not that upper level of college football. You know, so that's that's what I look at a lot is momentum, how they're playing right now. And as the season gets later and later, preseason hype, talent, coaching wears off a little bit as I have more evidence, more proof to prove points that I don't need just talk. I can use footage, you know, stats, real-time stats, what I've seen, the opponents they've played, how good the opponents they've played are, their resume, um, quality wins, quality losses, or bad losses. That's how I work. I'm a little more, I just lean a little more towards the eye test and the current season. So. Some people are different. Some people disagree, and that's fine. I have Georgia now at number three. My number one being Michigan. My number two being Oklahoma, which is pretty high. I know. I, I just, it's one of those eye test things. Honestly, I put Oklahoma above Georgia because I said, wow, I had Texas at one. If you had Texas at three, I wouldn't have put Georgia at or Oklahoma at two, but Texas was nine number one. And when number, 10 OU in my rankings beats number one, they're going to be pretty dang high. Um, because to most people, it looked like number three beat number, what was it in the AP? 11 or 12, Oklahoma. Or sorry, opposite way, but Oklahoma beat Texas. Um, but yeah, if that makes more sense on why I would have Oklahoma so high, because I think, and still do think, um, Texas is very, very good. Not quite as much as I thought last week, but Really, really good performance from both teams. I still have Texas at six, which I actually thought was pretty normal. And then as the the few days have gone on, I've realized that that's pretty generous towards Texas. In a game that I feel like could have gone either way. Um, and it just came down to kind of Texas making a few mistakes. Other than that, though, like on the you know offensive, defensive side of the ball, Texas looked pretty good all around. It was just a few mistakes that they had, which obviously is important. Um, but like, I don't, I don't really see the reasoning from people putting Texas so low. Maybe it's just because Oregon, Washington, Penn State, you think are just better, which is fine. Um, but yeah, I still have Texas at number six. I could totally see Texas doing, you know, uh, running the table and facing Oklahoma in a rematch in the Big Twelve championship. Totally within reason. Um, the Big 12, as we've seen, is not, you know, hate to admit it, as the Cougars, BYU Cougars fan, the Big 12 is not good right now. In depth, is the least deep conference that we've seen so far, six weeks into the season. And um, honestly, OU and Texas have looked really, really good, better than most years, both of them. And the rest of the Big 12 has looked the worst it has in a while. So it's... It's a little tough to to watch. See, this is what I mean by bias. Obviously, I'm a huge BYU fan, um, and I'm I, I'm biased towards you know towards these certain um, aspects of the game. However, I don't let let's say BYU Big Twelve shade my vision of like what's actually happening in the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve right now, I would say, is probably the lowest power five. Um, hopefully, that changes. As as a fan, I sure hope it gets better. Um, but yeah, as of right now, the Big 12 is not not the best right now. Um, got some got some good players, but like when your third and fourth best team 
Kansas State and Texas Tech and Baylor kind of just look dumb. It's tough. I mean, you got Kansas kind of there, BYU's kind of there, West Virginia's kind of there, but like just not 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 many impressive things out of the Big Twelve as a whole, um, yet. So, yeah, that's where I stand on that. One more thing before we have Nick come on here. Notre Dame, Louisville. I wanted to mention this a little bit. People have been saying that Louisville is this year's Notre Dame. We all saw what just happened on Saturday. Notre Dame lost to Louisville in a pretty dramatic fashion. Louisville dominated the game. I'm all for Louisville. Jeff Brom as the coach over there. Jake Plummer is the QB. I mean, Louisville is fun to watch. They're kind of the – I can see why people are drawing comparisons to TCU. Um, however, if you think Notre Dame is a good team, which you might not after this weekend. I don't know what you think of Notre Dame. Um, coming into this game, I thought Notre Dame was kind of still like floating around, like obviously not easily playoff picture, but I'm like, okay, this team looks good enough. This Notre Dame team that they can maybe run the table. Like they could beat Clemson. Maybe they beat USC. And if they do that, then they could still go to the playoff with one loss. I could see that happening. Um, but when Louisville beats them like that, Louisville is not this year's TCU. TCU did one thing, and they did one thing really well, is they won close games against every opponent, no matter how good or how bad they were. TCU didn't really... Um, I mean, I'm, I, don't have the game, I don't have the games pulled up, but I don't remember TCU ever blowing anybody out, any Power 5, any Big 12 team out. I don't remember that. And Louisville just kind of just handed Notre Dame's butts to them. <laughs> and so I think it's a little different. Right now, Louisville looks much better than TCU at this point. At this point of the season, um, TCU is doing the college game day thing with uh, Kansas and beat Kansas in a close one, pulled away, and they were ranked like 18 or 19. Louisville, obviously, you say what you want about the Georgia Tech game and like the uh, Boston College, or not Boston College, who they, but they were kind of close with Indiana, I think. But the Notre Dame game is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I'm not putting them top 10 right now, but, like, that's a pretty strong win. I liked Notre Dame a lot, and I still, like, am kind of hanging on to it because Notre Dame, in my eye test, looks really good um, just overall, even through these losses. <sighs> Louisville's good, but I, I do think they're kind of, I would say they're better than TCU at this point. If they went to the playoff, um, they're in a stronger conference, I'd say. And the, as of this year, and um, Louisville does have a really easy schedule ending the year. I think we're going to talk about this more with Nick later, but Louisville pretty much plays a pretty light schedule. I believe they play um, Miami and maybe Duke. Maybe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but they play like one of those guys, and that's it. It's a like it's a lot like Florida State right now. They kind of have the back end. Obviously, it's Power Five, still hard. You got to play like the Pitt and the West, the Virginia Tech. Totally games that could be lost, but like Louisville is definitely getting ten wins in my opinion. Definitely getting to ten wins and like gonna be ranked the whole year with this kind of schedule with how they've looked. Um, and I think. With TC, I think they're going to win better than TCU would. That's how I'm thinking um, with Louisville. 
I'm on the train. I believe it looks really good. I'm excited. Um, one more game I wanted to mention is Ohio State Maryland. Um, I was really excited for Maryland coming in this game. I did not pick Maryland to win. However, I was in Vegas this week. Um, that was really fun. Got to watch a lot of the games at the Venetian, Caesar's Palace, Circa, some super cool um, sports books with you know huge TVs and like all the 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 wildest dreams I could imagine of watching college football on a Saturday. I've been to Vegas and I live in Utah. I only live about four hours from Vegas Drive. It's I've been there before. I was never the biggest fan of Vegas before Saturday. Really, I wasn't. Because I'm like, eh, it's like one thing. You walk down the strip, it's like kind of fun for an evening, and then you're done. Um, as someone who doesn't typically do a lot of the Vegas things, you know, I don't drink, I don't, I don't smoke, I don't typically gamble. I do like sports betting, but I don't typically do a lot of the Vegas stuff. Um, however, I'm uh, I'm gonna be going to Vegas more on fall Saturdays because that was. That was really fun. That was really fun. You, know, you got like 80 screens in front of you showing every single game there is to watch. Meanwhile, you're you're placing some bets on the side. It's fun. It's fun to be in Vegas. Just everything's there, getting some wings and just sitting down. You know, I was at the uh, Venetian for the Texas OU game in the morning. And it was, of course, there's like, you know, that, ta- that 10 a.m. slot, sorry, Mountain Time 10 a.m., that noon slot, whatever you want to call it, was elite this Saturday. Everyone watching knows this. It was LSU, Missouri, um, Oklahoma, Texas, and uh, what was the other game that was going on? Oh, LSU, no, I just said that one. What was the other game? Oh, Maryland, Ohio State. Um, really good games at 10 a.m. at 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And they were all finishing up, and it was a nail biter between two of those and people going nuts. A lot of Texas fans in the building, a lot of OU fans in the building. Um, some a little more buzz than others. <laughs> that was fun. Um, to watch it was just a big party. People highly recommend going to Vegas for a fall Saturday with the boys. It's pretty fun. Um, anyways. All right, y'all. It's that time do you love spontaneous off the cuff follower hot takes. Now we had it way more than usual today. I mean, I got responses from on each of these at least 20 to 30 people, which I'm very proud of. Thank you. I try and get everybody on, at least mention everybody who posts something on here. So, credit to you guys. I mean, the people who are mentioning, who are participating, you know, when, I, when I'm going through a giveaway and I'm going to pick a random account who follows me on the socials, whatever I ask you guys to do, I don't know what I'm going to do, just to get a cool shirt, you know, I'm going to lean towards one of y'all that actually, like, does something and listens to the podcast. So, credit to you guys. Anyways, my first question, I asked three questions today. My first question was, who is your dark horse playoff team? Now, dark horse meaning it doesn't have to be someone who's like crazy dark horse, like if you were to say like Maryland or something. Like, okay, you can be realistic. A dark horse just meaning pretty much a team that's outside of the top 10 or even 
if we're talking playoff, I mean, you could even consider like a maybe like an Oregon team, a dark horse. I mean, it's whatever you want to say. You can consider a Washington team, like any team that's not like one of the four favorites, like Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, um, and then insert whatever team you want. But like, you know, dark horse can, is a wide array. Some darker than others. Um, yeah. Second question was, do you see Texas making the playoff? And third was, who is your Pac-12 champion? All right. Let's go for it. All right. First one I got right here is Brody underscore McCoy 16, North Carolina. Yeah, I think that's a dark horse pick. North Carolina is 5-0 and right now. Just had a dominant win over Syracuse. I haven't talked about North Carolina very much, and um, this is mainly just because haven't played anybody super irrelevant yet. Your best win is probably Syracuse now because Syracuse hasn't lost except for Clemson, I think. So really good win over Syracuse, especially just blowing them out like that, was really impressive. If you beat them by 10, I'd be like, eh, I'm still waiting. But that was like kind of a statement win to this point. Um, obviously, Syracuse doesn't mean that much, but it's a good team you beat, a solid team, and you beat them by a lot. You know, the best you could do in that, in that situation, and I respect it a lot. I think I actually moved UNC. I've been kind of like keeping them back a little bit just because I haven't quite seen the resume build yet or like big wins. And this one, I was kind of like, all right. You know, especially with a lot of people losing, I was like, all right, I'm moving them up. So I got UNC at 13 now. Um, definitely a dark horse. They were kind of a dark horse for a little while last year. Um, hopefully Drake May can improve and, you know, start building a Heisman resume. Then we'd be like really talking. So I like that. KRG2056, um, homeboys always responding. He says Louisville or UNC. Yeah, I think ACC has a few teams that could slide in if they're able to beat Florida State, as the ACC still has several undefeated teams. I think they have the most undefeated teams of every conference because you still have Florida State, Louisville, UNC, and Duke all undefeated. Miami was undefeated until they decided to run the ball with 20 seconds left on the clock. Um, anyways, ACC could produce some dark horses. A lot of people saying Louisville. Like, a lot of Louisville people. Actually, hold on. Wow, I'm reading this for the first time. I mean, of the uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 21, 22, okay, yeah, like 30 responses. I think, like, 17 are just Louisville. So, go cards. I mean, let's see. Dimes underscore deals is Louisville. Blondie MCF, Louisville. I pull no B words. I'm not going to say on this clean podcast. It says Louisville TBH. Um, Jackson8685 says Louisville. Uh, underscore B or underscore underscore B underscore underscore O underscore underscore E underscore underscore says Louisville. If you guys want to know his full username, Bryce, Bryson NK Walker says Louisville. Braden V1 says Louisville. Sean Latigue, of course, my boy. Been saying Louisville since June. Credit to you. Um, he's saying the Ville easiest schedule. Duke, um, bad my. He says Duke parentheses probably without Leonard. Yeah, there's a chance that Leonard is not healthy. Um, bad Miami and mid Kentucky. Yeah, so you got Duke, Miami, Kentucky on your schedule. Those teams could be like maybe Duke's a good game, but like Kentucky, maybe they're hanging around but like a lot of these teams hard to tell at this point so louisville definitely has it cut out for them honestly 
yeah, Louisville. I could see why they're so common to be a dark horse here. You got Full Metal Pilot says Louisville. Jerry Strubs 04 says Louisville. So those are my guys saying Louisville. All right, here are some other teams. We got Tristan Lay saying Oregon, although not really a dark horse anymore. I mean, you could consider before this week, you consider them a dark horse. If they win against Washington, no longer a dark horse. I mean, if they win this weekend against Washington, easily like top four, I think, in most polls. People are waiting to put a Pac-12 team kind of up there. Pac-12 teams haven't played a ton of people yet. So huge for Oregon if they win this game. Um, Lydia J. Adams says UOFL. Okay, I know it. I know college football, but I don't U O F like University of Florida. Like I don't I don't know. Uh if it's if it's Florida then that's that's um probably not happening. But sure. Maybe I'm just dumb. Maybe I is there someone U U O F L that I'm like totally blanking on? Yeah, I don't know. Shadow Wolf seventeen eighteen says Air Force or Louisville. Air Force. 5-0 Mountain West team. Hey, there's still the battle. Right now, the group of five is kind of interesting. There's there's usually one team that kind of sticks out. It's like, all right, this is the group of five team. This is the team that's going to get the bid for the, what is it, the Fiesta Bowl this year? I don't even know. Uh, it was obviously the Cotton Bowl last year. Maybe it still is the Cotton Bowl. I don't remember. Obviously, Tulane got that last year, beat USC. You know, it's been like your UCFs, your Cincinnati's. A lot of those teams have pulled off those bowl games. and it was looking like it was going to be Tulane. Then Fresno State was kind of the team coming. And now there's like a three-way tie, at least in my book, between JMU. Oh, I just like flipped the camera off. I'm sorry. JMU, Air Force, and Wyoming is kind of emerging, even though Wyoming has a loss. We'll see about that. But those are the teams kind of, kind of sitting there. Air Force, obviously, if you run the table as Air Force, any team that runs the table has a chance to go to the playoff. Um, we'll see though because Air Force didn't play a soul except for Mountain West teams. So we'll see <laughs> how that resume would hold up at the end of the year. That's a very dark horse pick. Um, Washington and Penn State by Landon Y nine nine five nine. Washington and Penn State could be underrated picks. Um, yeah, those are the two teams. Some of the bigger two teams we haven't seen play huge competition yet. Obviously, Penn State played Iowa, who's Okay, um, yeah. Anyways, Ty Johns, 33, says Penn State. Fourth down football, says Penn State. Um, Gunger, 88, says Florida State. I think Florida State's somewhat out of the dark horse now just because they have the best, probably still the best resume. Yeah, now it's people are starting to catch up to them, but one of the best resumes in college football. Nick, during the day, <laughs> he responded, going to have you on in like two minutes. Uh, says if we're taking the dark horse term seriously, it's still got to be Wisconsin. More on that later. He'll definitely be talking about that one. Spencer Dot Martin said FSU. Go Utes, Tommy said Utah. Utah's still in the conversation. Five and one. Honestly, here's my Utah segment for the day. Um, been talking about you guys a little bit recently. Um, I sympathize for you guys because honestly, as the weeks go on you're seeing that this Utah team actually has a lot of potential and is like pretty good, but just such a, a shell of the former team that it could be without all the injuries. I mean, it's, 
Oh, that's going to be frustrating. That's going to be really frustrating. Um, now, I don't know. Obviously, it's hypothetical is to say like, oh, with Cam Rising, with our boys, you know, with everyone healthy, we would be this good. Obviously, it's hard to know. But I think you might have beat Oregon State. You might be sitting at um, 6-0 and right now and still in the playoff contention at number 10. Maybe even higher. I don't know. But, yeah, you can still do it. Let's say you get Cam Rising back this week. I believe you play at Cal. I think you can win that without Cam Rising. He's got to come back soon, guys. You're going to have to play against Washington or Oregon pretty soon here. Um, anyways, CW Thompson 24 says BYU. Yeah, heck yeah. Go Cougs. I mean, any Power 5 team with one loss or zero losses is still somewhat in contention, as if BYU would run the table, beat Texas and OU. Obviously, there's a chance. Um, extreme dark horse with that one. Oregon State from Garrett Cook, 787. Oregon State can make a case. There's still those, let's see, uh, UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, Washington State now all have a loss because they've all played each other. Those teams, the Pac-12 has already cannibalized on itself. Of the top, what is it, seven teams, um, those are four that have already all beat each other. Literally, they're all in a square right now. They've all, they've all beat each other. They all have one loss. Is this not the same as it's been? Come on, Pac-12. Have someone be better. Ugh. Stuff. I think they all deserve to be ranked. I think they're all really good. And they all are ranked. All four of those guys are ranked, and they've all beaten each other. That's wild. I just realized that as I was talking, that those four have all beat, you know, Utah beat UCLA, UCLA beat Washington State, Washington State beat Oregon State, Oregon State beat Utah. Right there. Boom. Oh, four guys. Hopefully someone can come out of that with three losses at the minimum out of the whole conference. <laughs> I still hold the belief that Pac-12 can make it, but like what I've seen now is it's just already cannibalizing. Ah, we'll see. Because when you have a to have a playoff candidate, I mean, if the conference like the the, the Pac-12 elevated too much together, in order to have a playoff candidate, you pretty much have to have you you can actually have a pretty weak conference conference because it separates the one team. You know, that's why Clemson did so good for so long. You know, even if the ACC had some decent years, Clemson was um, so dominant that it made it really easy for them to go to the playoff. Um, when this Oregon or Washington team might be, let's say, I'm not really making a statement with this. Let's just say for conversation's sake, they might be as good as a Clemson team. However, playing in this conference is just rough. It's going to be hard to get out of their escape with even like two losses from what we've seen already. All right, let's keep going. Um, next question, Texas. Do you see Texas making the playoff? Now, I'm only going to do pretty much people with explanations because there's a lot of just yeses and nos. Um, but let's see. Dimes underscore deals says not a chance with one loss. They don't have hard enough opponents to get back in the, in the talks. That's actually pretty valid. I haven't really thought about that yet because let's see who would Texas play. They play obviously um, like they say BYU a few. I mean, honestly right now, big, you could just say big 12 teams. I mean, they don't play anybody outside of the big 12. All of those games are pretty much the same value. They already beat Kansas. So at this point, yeah. 
your quality win would be Bama, and you have a quality loss against Oklahoma. So you're you have a good loss in the sense of it's the best loss you could have, pretty much. In that situation too, where you barely lost in the last seconds. So, yeah, um, Dimesdale does not think that Texas could do it, even just because of their schedule, which is actually pretty valid. Um, it does mean there's no more wiggle room. Obviously, Texas has to win out and win the Big 12 championship. Um, but like I just said before, I, th- in my opinion, I think they could if they did if they did that. Um, Jackson eight six eight five agrees with me. Same thing. Um, KRG two zero five six says the same thing. Sean Latigue says the like literally everyone's saying the same thing. Okay, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. I'm not special for saying this. Um, however, Jerry Strubes oh four says nah. They lose to Tech on their last game that indefinitely takes them out. Yeah, I mean if you lose any of these games, Texas, you're out. You can't win two losses. Or you can't go to the playoff with two losses, and I mean you'd definitely be out. So, yeah, no question. Um, I think that's most people's opinions. I'm going to Texas. You guys already know this. I talk about like every podcast to see BYU play Texas, which I'm so excited for. That'd be cool if we like, gave it our best shot. Anyways, um, Pac-12. Pac-12 champion. Who y'all got? Um, most comments are saying Oregon and Washington, but there's a few, few other ones here. Um, Max Murdijin 08 with a Michigan logo says Oregon. Okay. Um, Kawabungalo, dope username says Oregon. I would love to see Cam Rising return and turn the, have turned the youth around, but have little to no faith. I have little to no faith is what he says. Yeah, hundred percent. If Utah, t- the thing is for me right now, even with Utah turning around, like I just said, I just don't know. If even the peak Utah team could beat Oregon or Washington, but high hypotheticals, I don't know. Maybe they could. Maybe they could. Um, Calebster07 says Oregon. Um, let's see here. My boy Sned, of course, says Oregon. Gotta love it. Um, Huskies underscore zone just sent a picture of Michael Pettix Jr. Respect. Garrett Cook787 said Oregon State. Now, Oregon State would be really fun. If Oregon State or Washington State wins the Pac-12, I mean, we already know. That's epic. Gotta love that. Um, Jerry Strubes 04 says Wazoo. Yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd be nuts if Wazoo won the... Uh... Let's see. If... I mean, if Oregon, or, if Oregon State or Washington State... Here's the, here's the question that I've been thinking of. And I think that it's worth debating. A lot of people might call me crazy for this. I'm very high on the Pac-12. I'm like, yes, the Pac-12 is the best conference right now. That's my opinion. Um, better than the SEC right now. Um, obviously, Georgia did help the SEC out a lot with that win. But like as a conference as a whole, the SEC is very, very weak compared to the Pac-12. It's in my opinion. Does a two-loss Oregon-Washington Let's say they win the championship, Pac-12 championship, but they're, they have two losses. A two-loss team. Do they make it in? Is this the first year that we see a two-loss team because the Pac-12 is so strong? And, sorry, just like yawned. Ugh. And do we give the Pac-12 the benefit of the doubt? Here's what's interesting. Going to talk about this with Nick. 
But USC Notre Dame, I think this game this weekend defines if this is possible. If USC loses this game to Notre Dame, it's not possible. You can't come to the end and be like, hey, us Ducks, we're a, we're a conference champion, a conference champion of the Pac 12, the best conference. And we beat Washington twice. Or no, let's say, let's say they lost to Washington this Saturday. They lose to Utah. And they go on to win the Pac-12 championship against USC, who they've beaten twice. I don't know. Whatever you want to say. Or they beat Washington rematch in the Pac-12 championship. Anyways, that argument is so valid because, or invalid, because USC has won or lost against Notre Dame. Now, the reason for this is because this is the biggest non-conference game for the, for the Pac-12. A lot of it comes down to that. The reason the SEC has lost a lot of credibility in my book is because the Texas-Alabama game. Obviously, I know it's one team compared to the whole conference, but when it's a pattern, when LSU loses to Florida State, when Alabama loses, when South Carolina gets obliterated by North Carolina, you know, you start to believe, and with Florida gets wrecked by Utah, it's like, okay, well, a lot of these teams are losing. USC-Notre Dame would complete the the Pac-12 arc 2023 finale saying like the Pac-12 is the best conference in its last year. That would seal it. Basically, I know Notre Dame is not the best team now. Like I obviously I know that they're a two-loss team, but what I'm saying is that of all the non-conference games you played, I mean, let's Let's think who the best non-conference team the Pac-12 played was. Like maybe Texas Tech. I might be missing one here. Florida, TCU, Wisconsin. Um, am I missing any here? Yeah, obviously Cal lost to Auburn, but like, yeah. Well, Washington beat Michigan State. Anyways. You know, this is the big this is a big win. If you can say, all right, well, we won our out of conference game against an Eastern power and like this will help a lot. I know that it's not like the best, like they didn't beat a top team outside of the conference, but with, with what they were dealt, they won. USC Notre Dame is huge for Oregon for Oregon and Washington with their resumes, just because when you beat USC, it's a way better USC team. But even just as a whole, the conference can say our two-loss champion should get the benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm saying. Huge game for playoff implications. Obviously for USC, we'll see what happens. And I'm so excited. Predictions coming Friday. But anyways, let's get to the call with Nick during the day. Thank you all for your submissions. I loved it. Let's head over to that. 